True Crime Island, another true crime podcast bringing you true crime from around the world. to the island just some housekeeping before we start i have uploaded this episode as a youtube video it's the first one so please if you've got time have a look and if you like you can subscribe and get notifications as well it is a little bit rough being the first episode but the show will evolve as time goes on also the schedule for the next month will be a little bit all over the place as i'll be in thailand for the next month Getting married to the lovely Kate, so I may miss a week or two or put two out in one week, hopefully. Let's get stuck into it then. Tonight, I'll tell you about a case that I recently saw on Forensic Files. Now, Forensic Files, if you haven't seen it, is a great true crime series focusing on the forensic aspect of crime solving. It's an older show, but a classic true crime series, so have a look if you can. Now tonight I'll be referencing news articles from the Marshall News Messenger, Austin American Statesman, the Desert Sun, Forensic Files of course, the Texas Tribune, the Hill Country News and a bit I found in a book called Forensic Victimology by Brent E. Turvey. Okay, so we go to Deer Creek Lane, Leander, Texas. It's 2004 where office receptionist 21-year-old Molly Kathleen Daniels, who was born 13th of February 1983, and 24-year-old unemployed mechanic Clayton Wayne Daniels, born the 14th of February 1981, that's Valentine's Day, and that's coming up this week actually, they lived there with their two kids, 4-year-old Caleb and 1-year-old Hayley Joe. Clayton is known to be a bit of a layabout, and that's probably why he is unemployed. But that isn't the worst thing about him. He's also a pedo. Now, we get to the 18th of June 2004. Passers-by notice fire coming from over the edge of a roadway down a long steep ravine at Ranch to Market Road number 1174 Burnett County. On closer inspection, they see that it's a car that's gone over the edge and it's on fire. Emergency services are called, and by the time they're on the scene, the car is totally engulfed in flames. The fire is so intense that the tyres have melted into the rocks surrounding the vehicle. Inside the car are the charred remains of the driver, who's been burnt beyond recognition. There are no fingers or toes, and the head's completely burned away. Police identify the vehicle as a green 1999 Chevy Cavalier registered to Molly and Clay Daniels who reside in Leander, Texas. They collect some personal effects in and around the car including the remains of tennis shoes, a baseball cap with a Harley Davidson pin and fish hook attached and a silver necklace. A driver's license in the name of Clayton Wayne Daniels is also found. They contact Molly Daniels and she confirms that her husband Clay is not returned in the car and she's asked to help identify the body. Well, maybe not so much the body, but the personal effects. When shown the personal effects, Molly confirms that they do belong to her husband Clay. Police, police note, 
that she's unduly calm for having just found out that her spouse and father of her two children has just perished in such a horrific way. Now, when they're unduly calm, we know what that means as well. But let's go on. For Molly, times are going to be tough. With two young kids to take care of on her receptionist wages, she's lucky there's a $110,000 insurance policy on her now dead husband. At her work at a gutter factory, her co-workers get together and raise over $1,000 to help her out. I mean, such a lovely thing. People can be so kind. It's great when the community can get together to help those in need. Also, Molly puts a flyer out around town asking for help. Now, I don't have the exact flyer to read out, but it said something to this effect. Grieving widow requires babysitting help for two young children. She gets a response and a neighbour offers her babysitting for two kids at 120 bucks a week, which is apparently a fraction of the normal cost. I have no idea what it would normally cost. So people out there with babies probably do know. Also, people brought her groceries and things for the kids just to help out this poor grieving widow. Again, amazing when the community wants to help out those in dire need. The child remains were taken for an autopsy. In his autopsy report, former deputy medical examiner Vladimir Parangau identified the remains as those of Clayton Wayne Daniels, noting that he'd found a small segment of penis and a small amount of urine in the bladder that matched to Daniels. How they match urine, I have no idea. Anyway, there was only 14 pound or 7 kilo of body mass left. Police at the scene of the accident notice that there's no skid marks at the edge of the road going down towards the ravine. That would be fine, but what didn't make sense is that if the driver didn't apply the brakes, then it should have run over the edge at reasonably high speed. But the damage that the car had, plus the damage made to the surroundings as it passed, looked more like it went down the ravine at a very slow speed or just rolled down the ravine, rather than at a normal driving speed given the lack of skid marks. (laughs) I keep saying skid marks. I'm trying to stop laughing. This is serious, people. This raised their suspicions that not all was as it seemed. Further forensic examination of the car revealed that the driver's seat had been totally burnt out and no residual body fluids were found. Also, the fuel tank was totally intact. Mechanically, the car had been in top shape before the accident. The brakes were fine, Fuel lines, suspension, engine, in fact, mechanical failure of the car was ruled out as a cause for the crash or fire. No point of ignition of the fire was able to be found. So how did it burn so completely? Investigators decided to take samples from the vehicle and test for accelerants. Now this would come back testing positive for charcoal fire starter fluid. At this stage, police were very, very suspicious Did someone kill Clay Daniels and try to cover it up by burning him in the car? Who wanted him dead? Well, as we know, Islanders, the first place to look at is the spouse. Investigators found that there was a $110,000 insurance policy on the life of Clay Daniels. That seems a lot for a layabout unemployed dude. Could his wife have killed him, put his corpse in the car, pushed it over the ravine and torched it? If she had an issue with him, that she'd want him permanently gone, it was backed up by one of his best mates at his memorial service, 
to call him an asshole. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's what they do. In Australia, we do use the C word for our mate, so maybe the A word. Now, as things seem suspicious, a DNA test was performed on the charred remains. Now, whether it was suspicious or not, they probably were going to do that anyway. Now, usually they're able to take a DNA sample from the teeth, but there were none to use. So a mitochondrial DNA test was performed on the part of the hip bone that remained. Now, this test will result in getting the matrilineal DNA sequence, which is passed down from the mother unchanged in both males and females. They would also test Clay's mum and then compare the samples. The problem is that in this instance, the testing would take six months or so. Then one day, this strange thing happened. Molly's sister was visiting and she happened to go into the master bedroom. She was shocked to see a man curled up in a t-shirt and boxes inside the closet. She ran to tell Molly and when they returned, There was no one there. I mean, that's a little bit weird. Then, just a few weeks after the terrible accident, Molly gets a new boyfriend. I mean, that's that's pretty quick. She gets over this thing pretty fast. His name is Jake Alexander Gregg. He looks a bit like Clay, but he's got black hair. Well, you know, I guess people have their sort of type, I suppose. So she was looking for someone, found someone who looked like Clay. It's sort of like, yeah, that's all right. And he looked so much like Clay that when Caleb, Molly's four-year-old son, was introduced to him, he said, Daddy, are you back? Now, police soon put Molly under surveillance as the forensic evidence for the accident scene and the car just didn't add up at all. Neighbours noticed that this Jake Gregg guy wouldn't interact with them much when they'd say hello. In fact, he'd usually stay in the car when they got back from being out. Molly would get out of the car, open the garage door drive the car in, and he would then enter the house from inside the garage. He was rarely seen outside. Now, as the police were doing surveillance, Molly seemed to be going out about her day as normal. Nothing seemed unusual or out of place. Then one day, they saw her and her new boyfriend, Jake, get in the car and go out. The police followed them to a Taco Bell where the couple ate their lunch inside. The officer entered the restaurant and walked up to get a closer look at this Jake character. To his surprise, it looked like the apparently dead Clay Daniels. The officer asked for ID and Jake produced a Texas driver's license with the name Jake Gregg. Not satisfied that he was who he said he was, both Molly and Jake were taken downtown for questioning. At first, Jake denied that he was Clayton Daniels, but soon he did admit that he was. Okay, so, if he's Jake Daniel, uh, Clayton Daniels, who the fuck was the body in the car? And what the fuck's going on? And this is where it becomes a truly twisted tale. We're going to have to go back a bit. You see, Clayton was a pedo. Before he staged the accident, he'd done a plea deal for a historic rape of his seven-year-old cousin back in 1997 when he was 16 years old. So once the plea deal was made, he was released for 30 days before he had to turn up to serve his sentence. What was his sentence, you may ask? 30 days, with 10 years probation. 30 days. Now before we fly into a Cambo rage over the sentence, this is the explanation from the comment section of one of the newspapers I mentioned before. 
Here it goes. Initially, he took the plea bargain for the sexual assault charge because the victim's parents did not want to put their daughter through the agony of a trial and the evidence against him was mostly circumstantial. He agreed to 10 years probation. However, if he violated his probation in the slightest, he would have to serve a 20-year sentence in the Texas Department of Criminal Justice System per that plea bargain. The 30 days he was sentenced to was for a prior probation violation. The reason I know all this is because I was the young victim. So this sentence was agreed upon with the victim and her family. Probably knowing Clayton was such a scumbag, he would easily violate this probation and end up inside for 20 years anyway. So one of the reasons he tried to fake his death was so he didn't have to go inside for that 30 days. He faked his death just three days before he had to go inside. Also, Clayton said he wanted to avoid being put on the register of sexual offenders list. And also, I guess he could hit reset on his life and collect the 110000 life insurance and start all over again. Although he did deny that the money was his motive for the crime. Yeah, right. Molly told investigators that she had no idea. I have no fucking idea Clayton faked his own death until he turned up at her house about a month after the accident. At this stage, the DNA test on the corpse was still not finalised, so they had no idea who it was. They were going through missing person lists and all this without success. they just have to wait for that DNA result. Molly told investigators that when Clayton turned up, they decided they would go to Mexico, where Clayton would get new teeth and plastic surgery, and she would get a tummy tuck, as you do. While on remand in jail, though, loudmouth Clayton told one of his cellmates that the plan was to dig up a corpse of someone old who'd recently been buried, someone old with few relatives to lessen the impact on the corpse's family. He said then they put the corpse in the car, push it over a cliff, torch it, and Bob's your uncle. When investigators were informed of this, they eventually found a cemetery that had an area set aside for people with little or no money where they could get buried. They eventually came across a grave at Pebble Mound Cemetery that had been recently disturbed. It was the grave of Charlotte Davis, 81, who died Saturday the 20th of December 2003, about six months before the staged accident. Investigators exhumed the coffin and their worst fears were realised. The coffin was empty. Investigators now got a search warrant for to access Molly's work computer, you know, to check out her browser history. Well, Molly was still sticking to her story that she was innocent. Clay wasn't saying that much either. Now, just by some stroke of luck, Molly's computer had become infected with a keylogging virus or worm. What these keyloggers do is that they log every keystroke you make on your computer keyboard and save it as a text file. This way, the person who's infected your PC can see what you type, especially usernames and passwords. What they found would incriminate Molly and prove that she had helped plan the faking of Clayton's death. Here are some of the search terms that were found in the keylog. Unidentified body. Forensics on a body. Burned body. No body left after the fire accident. Fire's death by fire with no body. Body burned so badly it's unidentifiable. Vehicle fire with no body left. Vehicle fires involving corpses. 
when a teeth destroyed by fire. Cremation, 15 hours at 1500 degrees Fahrenheit. The keylogger also showed how Molly had researched not only how to fake Clayton's death by fire, but also how he could get fake birth certificates and Texas driver's license. Fuck's sake, Molly. In a further search of the Daniels' home, investigators found two containers of charcoal starter fluid in the kitchen, with one matching the type used to burn the car. When the DNA test came back, it was found not to match Clayton Daniels, as we sort of realised by now. Yep, it was poor old Charlotte Davis. Okay, so now maybe you're asking, wasn't there an autopsy performed that found the corpse to be male because they found this little bit of penis and the bladder contents matched that of Clayton? Well, this is from what I read you before, but I didn't read you the first bit, so I'll put it all together this time. From Forensic Victimology by Brent E. Turvey. In June 2004, the Travis County Medical Examiner's Office misidentified the charred remains of an 81-year-old woman as those of a 23-year-old man. In his autopsy report, former Deputy Deputy Medical Examiner Vladimir Parangau identified the remains as those of Clayton Wayne Daniels, noting that he'd found a small segment of penis and a small amount of urine in the bladder that matched to Daniels. Unfortunately, the corpse was that of an already dead and embalmed, buried and then exhumed woman, leaving Burnett County officials wondering if they'd actually examined the body at all. (laughs) There you go. So at Molly's trial, she ended up confessing to be the brains of the operation, I think more like shit for brains, and that she had researched how to burn the corpse they'd used and burn it beyond recognition. She told the court how Clayton would di- would, was going to dig up the six-month-old corpse of Charlotte Davis, dress her in tennis shoes, faded glory jeans, whatever the fuck they are. Actually, I did Google it, and they're Walmart jeans. They threw in a Harley Davidson cap with a fish hook next to the car, which Molly would tell police Clayton was wearing the last time she saw him. They would place Charlotte in the car, push it over the edge of a ravine, then used the charcoal starter fluid to set fire to the car. Molly said she would then wait for the police to contact her once the burning wreck was discovered. She did try to say they did it to keep the family together. As you know, Clayton was to serve 30 days in jail and they didn't want him to go on the registered sex offenders list. She did deny that it was done for the insurance money. Yeah, right, Molly, bullshit. Anyway, Molly said they got the idea... Get this, she got the idea from watching Law and Order and CSI. Fuck's sake, I think she only watched the first bit. Maybe she should have watched the, the show the whole way through. Anyway, Clayton confessed to arson and insurance fraud. For insurance fraud, he got 20 years. Of course, for this aggravated sexual assault on the child, on two counts, 20 years each. Indecency with a child, 20 years. Arson, 15 years. And desecration of a cemetery, 10 years. With all that, his projected release date is 2034. Molly confessed to insurance fraud and hindering apprehension. For the hindering apprehension, she got 10 years. The insurance fraud, she got 20 years. Now, she served at least 12 years of her sentence and exited prison sometime after 26, 2016. And she's keeping a very, very low profile. So, Islanders, this case had so many twists. First, it looks like a father or two has run off the road and been incinerated in his car. 
then it looks like the scene is staged. So why would someone want to kill Clayton Daniels? Then it's not Clayton, but it's someone else. So who is it? And were they murdered by who and for what? Then we find out no one was murdered at all because the body in the car was a dug-up corpse. It is <laughs> trying to be serious, but it's a bit crazy, this. Then the autopsy, if it was if it was performed at all, found this small piece of penis. And so it was declared to be the body of a 24-year-old man, but actually it's a long-dead 81-year-old woman. And just by luck, Molly's computer had been infected by a keylogger virus, and so her part in all of this was brought to light. Now, I'd hate to think how this has affected four-year-old Caleb and the one-year-old uh, Haley Joe. Probably she was too young to realise or remember what happened, but still, she would have been 13 by the time her mum got out of prison and her dad's still inside. Now, also, the community felt pretty much betrayed in all this as they had come together to help out this grieving widow. Her workplace closed for the day to attend Clayton's memorial. They raised a 1000 bucks or more to help her out. Neighbours brought her food and groceries. Now, her neighbour, Jennifer Panner, said that she'd offered to help her babysit the kids when she saw the flyer about newly widowed mum needing a babysitter. She offered her services to mind the two kids for only 120 bucks a week, which was a huge discount from the normal rate. Molly was lapping it all up. She probably loved all the attention she was getting. So I guess the only good thing is that they didn't actually murder anyone to pull off their little stunt. Also, Clayton ended up doing the 20 years for raping his 7-year-old cousin rather than the 30 days. And of course, Molly got busted for being a conniving, lying bitch. What's fucking wrong with people? Well, I guess stupid people do stupid things and they win stupid prizes. Let's hope little Caleb and Haley Joe didn't turn out like their parents. So, Islanders, that's it until next week. Before we go, there's usual end of show stuff to get through. The new theme music is to align the podcast with the YouTube content. I have had a lot of feedback and it seems like the old theme is much loved, but we aren't going back. If anything, I'll change it to something new, maybe a chance for one of you to send me some of your work. I like the one that I did pick out as it had a bit of an island music sound. Reminded me a bit of the Better Call Soul theme music as well. So send it my way if you want to change. Patreon, big shout out to all past and present Patreons of the island. Thank you so much. As you know, True Crime Island is totally listener supported, so you won't hear ads, just occasional promos, podcasts I think you should check out. To become a patron, go to patreon.com forward slash true crime island. And for as little as a dollar a month, you too can help support the island. I will be emailing reward qualifiers this week, so look out for the email if you qualify for a reward. A reward. I was supposed to do it last week, but the technical gremlins that have been in my face this week have been amazing. It's Murphy's Law this week. If you would like to buy me a beer via PayPal, then go to donate.truecrimeisland.com. Yes, that's a new address. So cheers, as Britt did last week. Thanks so much, Britt. I have merch at truecrimeisland.threadless.com and I will be changing up the shop soon, as I always say. You can also support the show by rating and reviewing, also by sharing it with your friends and family. Use the hashtag BombFuckAlunga in your social media. All of the links, including social media and all that, are on my website, truecrimeisland.com. Okay, so that's about it for tonight. I've been your host, Cambo, and you've been listening to True Crime Island. And as I always say... 
don't forget to delete your browser history. Good night, Boomfuckalunga.